0: So for our condos, for example, we were the first ones in Canada to come up with what's called a green loan, which was essentially, you know, and, and to point about end users, it, it should be positioned or we feel it can be positioned in a way that you're just getting a better product for the same price. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's better quality stuff, it's better air quality, it's better, you know, and, and, and certainly people... Aren't too concerned about energy use, but they care about health and, you know, and, and well-being and those sorts of things. So the tricks really come into again the time spent to to sort of understand the deltas. Are the deltas just a first capital cost or is it a life cycle? If there's no life cycle payback, yeah, it's it's kind of tough. And if there is a life cycle payback, how do you structure that you know so that that as a merchant developer you can still come out whole and and everyone can you know sort of win at the end of the day so we we as an example structured these green loans which now the toronto atmospheric fund picked up and has been offering and Tridell's picked pick them up and use them in town and and uh different different ways to bridge that gap
1: welcome to toronto under construction a podcast about everything toronto real estate Welcome to Toronto Under Construction, a podcast about everything Toronto real estate and maybe a little bit about Ottawa real estate today. So, Steve,
2: how's hey. it going? It's going great. We're uh, we we've, we've moved, indoors, we moved in the indoors, first time in a year, sitting in my home office, which is nice to finally host some people here. And uh, although the great outdoors were wonderful. We're gonna have no leaf blowers,
1: no helicopters, no no ambulances. No ambulances. But we have uh, uh, we have a crackling fire. We are I lit a fire for the ambiance. Well, Steve, something different today. Yeah, we, we have, have a, a guest. Uh, we have
2: a great guest. Sure. It is my honor and my pleasure, ladies and gentlemen, to welcome the CEO and founder of Windmill Developments, Jonathan Westdinder, to the show. As mentioned, Jonathan is the founder of Windmill and is experienced in corporate strategy, finance, and business development as it relates to green development practices. Jonathan has spearheaded a new national consortium that is focused entirely on green building retrofits as part of lead core construction. Prior to founding Windmill, Jonathan was a founding partner of Venbridge, a venture capital services division of Gowlings, one of Canada's leading law firms. Previously... Jonathan was CEO and founder of LOSC Inc., a Boston based venture capital firm, and held senior positions with Corel Corporation and Exocom Consulting after completing his MBA. Jonathan has been actively involved in the evaluation of various innovative technologies and finance structures that enable high performance green building to be both innovative and viable. To date, Jonathan has been responsible for the complete oversight of four lead platinum mixed-use projects, totaling well in excess of half a billion dollars. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Jonathan to the show. Thanks for joining <laughs> Perfect.
1: us. Perfect, let's, you're let's, here all the way from Ottawa. Yeah, let's let's jump into it. Yeah, you're, you're you're an Ottawa guy. You went to Western, and then a seven year gap between that and your MBA, which you did in Dublin. Give us give us kind of the uh, the rundown of how how you're you're uh, kind of. Uh, Pre-high school uh, uh, work environment and yeah, and I grew up. Estate, uh, I was uh,
0: lucky in the one sense. Uh, I grew up uh, in a construction family. Uh, my parents ran a company called Westina Construction, which was one of the largest commercial construction uh, firms in in Ottawa. And uh, so we uh, grew up in a fairly well-to-do environment, but they were um, uh, adamant that uh, they weren't going to give us any money, they'd just give us the opportunity to work for our, our money. So I was on a construction site in the summers from about the age of 11 uh, and had different paper routes and all those sorts of things, but uh, had enough by the time I was about 18, I think this is what they were trying to do, that, that uh, I was convinced I had noth- wanted to have nothing to do with the construction industry and uh, go do something completely uh, different. So then when I went to university, you know, I did an economics degree and I, I went into um, management consulting after that and into some uh, startup stuff and venture capital stuff and then spent a little bit of a stint back with my uh, parents firm cuz they'd started getting into real estate development and actually you know developing for themselves and so got involved in in a component of that for about 2 years and then uh, you know enough to sort of say eh, I'm not sure this is really my thing and went and did my MBA and got further into tech and other things after that. And it wasn't really until my parents were at a point that they were looking for a succession plan for the business around 2003, which was about the same time tech was getting no fun with a bit of a burst there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and it was also one where, you know, you were starting to see a path. I mean, one thing I didn't speak about all, all through that is that is that I'd always had a passion for the environment and the business of the environment and a belief that, you know, you can, uh, do profitable businesses while doing things that are of benefit to the to the planet. And so my plan actually before going back to do my MBA was to get a master's in marine biology and get into the business of the ocean and all those sort of things. But I forgot that I'd got an undergraduate in economics and not science, so it would have had me start <laughs> everything all over again. So I did an MBA with the idea of getting into, uh, you know, businesses related to the environment. And while I was doing venture stuff, you know, that's when you started to see solar firms get started up and uh, green energy firms get started up and you could really start seeing a path of, of, you know, successful businesses happening that were also sustainable and good for the planet and all that sort of thing. And then there was a book I read uh, at the time called Natural Capitalism by Amory Lovins and Paul Hawkins. And it was a great book in that most books you read when it comes to the environment make you want to go crawl in a hole and think we're all doomed oh, yeah. and uh, this was really uh, written around what are the opportunities around the inevitable that climate change is happening and what industries are going to thrive and what industries are going you know die and the building industry really got you know sort of highlighted as this is as, as one of the key industries it's it, you know it's approximately forty percent of the carbon footprint when you measure everything around buildings that that is also uh, by all accounts, the least innovative industry and still picking up, you know, major industries, but has the most opportunity, you know, uh, to drive a positive climate impact uh, and do it profitably. And uh, largely, uh, potentially the source or, or has proven to be the source of, of a real driver for the innovation overhaul needed in the industry. So all those things sort of converged and uh, hence came the plan for windmill developments, which was uh, you know, an industry that really generally needs to lead by biggest balance sheet you know, coming in with a smaller balance sheet, how to compete, uh, and, and sort of leading by virtue of, of, uh, being a leader in sustainability and green development practices and, and really, uh, trying to drive, you know, the market in, in showing you can do that and you can do it uh, profitably. And so we ended up selling my parents' business to Akon Buildings, uh, but did it in a way where, you know, they sort of, Kept their money in the bank. We I started up Windmill as a startup, brought in third-party investors, but you know in this industry, all you have is your goodwill and relationships. So so really, the currency I got from my parents was fantastic network and currency of of the industry to build from. And uh,
1: we've been doing that since two thousand and three. Wow! Wow! Well, I'm going to take a quick step back because there is a story out there that when you were doing your MBA, you ran out of money and had to be a rickshaw driver. Oh, and so, oh. so <laughs> how did you find that story? How did you, how Beth, did you find Beth that comes story? Comes up with <laughs> <laughs> these like snippets. Like we had this. I, one. I, I didn't know my background's been scared. I didn't worry. Did that? Did that hurt you trying to get these investors in your new kind? Did it hurt your back? First of all, second of all, did it hurt when it came to raising capital? <laughs>
0: Well, uh, the the rumor is true. Uh, second, I I don't know if you've ever been to Dublin, but uh, it's a pretty messy city. Uh, generally, anytime a lot of drinking, but after ten o'clock, it's <laughs> it's got a lot of drunk people, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So I started running rickshaw, which proved to be quite lucrative. i you know you can make up to six hundred dollars a night, you know, running people around because they're uh, quite uh, happy and generous, and as long as you get them day to, to B and then that type of stuff. So I did that for. Uh, Several months uh, To bridge the gap
1: Yep (laughs) (laughs) Wow Nothing worse than having to Try to call your parents Here's a rapid
2: fire question We should probably save it at the end But where are the more drunks Ireland or Boston? (laughs) <laughs> well, I definitely had more exposure to Ireland, but I'd say it's hard hard to beat Dublin at night.
0: Actually, Galway would be you yeah. know, not it's on the list, but Galway would probably be uh, the messiest. Where, where's Galway? I probably should know that. It's on the west coast of uh, Ireland. Oh, really? okay. It's sort yeah, of the party. Of it. It's the party see the Dubliners go to.
1: Oh really? So you can
0: imagine how <laughs> <I'll, laughs> crazy it. it gets. Yeah,
1: got it, got it. Okay. <laughs> so, so we're we're you're um, a new developer, I guess, but you have your 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 family uh, family backing and your family experience behind it. Uh, we have a lot of you know inspiring developers that are listening to uh, to the podcast. Uh, tell us about the first project that you did. how did you finance it, and uh, how did it go? <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, we jumped in uh, pretty heavy when, when we started the company. We had a small parcel of land in Ottawa that was that was intended to be Canada's first uh, lead platinum condo building, which which was a ten story building. In the process, and that needed to get rezoned, and you know, so it takes its time. In that process, uh, the city of Victoria had put out an RFP for a million square foot development, uh, a brownfield redevelopment, very stringent on its sustainability standards, uh, um, and uh, on an RFP process. So, and the the company, the consulting company that had been consulting the city to set up this RFP. Uh, was someone I was on the the founding board of the Canada Green Building Council, and so he'd sat on that as well. So we started talking, you know, through that process. Ended up in us acquiring his consulting company, uh, bidding on Dockside Green as it became, and uh, there were twelve, you know, initial bidders and whittling it down. At the time, it was us and West Bank. West Bank was a bit smaller at the time, but <laughs> wow. still much, wow. much bigger than we were. Yeah, and uh, but it pitched, you know, the first what would become the first lead platinum community in Canada. And I remember the uh, first public, or the the final public meeting, it was ourselves in West Bank. And uh, we'd gotten accused of busing people in because we'd gotten a standing ovation for, you know, Victoria's a very green and Mm -hmm. left-leaning town, so they loved everything we were talking about. Um, So anyways, it was was quite a, a sizable, so our first real project we landed was, you know, Close to a billion dollar project, and uh, similarly, we had lined Van City up as our financial partner. They're, you know, one of this country's most responsible, socially responsible um, uh, financial institutions. Credit
1: yeah, their credit, credit union. union. Yeah. they're a credit union. They're a
0: BC-based credit union, the largest credit credit union in the country. But um, you know, they were looking at this for brand building purposes because they they were very early on in the idea of, of you know positioning themselves as uh, strong social you know, sort of innovators and, and um, community builders. So they came on as our financial partner, both equity and debt, uh, which again was simpl- simplifying the equation. And, Does that still uh,
2: happen? It seems, sounds pretty rare. Uh, we were their first
0: equity, and I don't know if they've done another one. They don't do that on their gym, yeah. just doing debt. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, that was our first project. Wow. A billion-dollar project is the first one. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was sort of. Uh, met our, it exceeded our business plan. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And uh, and how did it how does it play out and, and end and yeah obviously so that's obviously like the routes roots have moved from the west coast to the east coast right yeah I mean we are always based in Ottawa we did more work out west in,
0: in uh, Victoria and Calgary and other places and, and had we've done you know the first lead platinum mixed use buildings generally across the country you know where where we uh, put our projects in but that specific project ended up you know these are the, these are especially for Victoria that a million square feet that's a long term you know. 10, 15 year haul. and uh, so I went through a few. We really, uh, and this is where we we really like to sort of play is is we set the project up. We um, got it all approved as as a lead platinum, you know, sort of plan. We uh, have have negative covenants in place that so anybody that doesn't develop uh, to those standards, there's actually a financial penalty. You know, that's that's sort of tied in with the city. We put in all the horizontal horizontal infrastructure. So this, uh, you know, that's a project that, for example, uh, the city of Victoria, if you know that, but they still dump raw sewage into the ocean. And wow. uh, Dockside Green is the only uh, project or only area in in Victoria that actually has a septic <laughs> treatment plant that we, wow. we did so, and and that's a whole story in itself. Wow. You know how that paid for itself, how it worked. It, it, it you know basically created natural features that took landlocked land and created waterfront and enhanced values and, and those sorts of things. Um, did a, uh, it was Canada's first uh, zero carbon uh, district energy system uh, that was uh, off uh, off waste um, bi- biomass. And uh, built the first roughly 400,000 square feet. So the first, first several phases. Uh, from that point, so my partner at the time, Joe Van Bellingham, whose company we'd bought, he, for different reasons, went on to um, Lendlease globally and ran their sustainability platform around the world. Wow. And we had been given an offer to essentially be bought out at that point uh, at, at quite a, an attractive uh, amount. That uh, with with you know my feet on the street, leaving that we sold and uh, Van City continued with it, and it is now actually uh, being finished
2: by Boza development oh, wow. okay yeah. wow so can i ask a question just before we we're going to talk a lot about um lead today and a lot about uh sustainability but for for the listeners i guess two really quick questions and they're very simple but i think they're important what is lead what is the lead standard and second secondly on top of that why why is this industry so unprogressed as far as um what was the word use? what was the word i was going to ask i think it was I guess why 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 have we been so slow to innovate in terms of changing the way we do things and and not becoming more environmentally conscious as an industry? So the first question's yeah. easy. The second one oh, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> a loaded one, yeah, yeah. for
0: sure. Uh so the first one, uh yeah, lead lead is uh, stands for leadership in energy and environmental design. And it 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 you know was the well continues to be the the leading sort of single building uh rating system to determine uh sort of how that building is performing, you know, from from an environmental standpoint, and so that's both energy, water, indoor air quality, resilience, uh, you know, and and um, uh, material selections, and that's got a spectrum. You can be a, a lead certified, you know, lead silver, lead gold, lead platinum, and you know that's it's all a case of how we, well you perform. So lead. Platinum buildings, which is the buildings we've been uh, largely delivering, would would be sort of the best performing buildings in the marketplace today with current known technologies and current known uh, approaches, um, and that that has uh, you know again also been around since about two thousand and three. You know, it's still a, you're seeing quite a strong adoption in the commercial office space where you've got a lot more institutional investors and pension funds, and and they're getting more and more sort of pressure to be responsible with their their dollars and, and also appreciating Um, sustainable also means, uh, quality, durability and, and long-term resilience. So it's, it's, it's also, uh, an insurance in itself, uh, in the residential sector, it's, you know, again, much more fragmented interest industry, you know, a lot less known, uh, from, from end users point of view. And and so not adopted as much, but to your second question, uh, you know, I understand, (laughs) you know, I mean, I, I think it's, it's, uh, I'd say that in my duration of sort of trying to lead to to where we are now the conversation is certainly changing you know where where it was a case of uh, why would we do that it just costs money it's a waste of time to now understanding it's 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 in there needed but fundamentally this is a tough industry you know it's it's you know you guys I mean it's it's hard enough just to get a shovel in the ground like doing the bare minimum. Yeah. So you you try and add layers on that and, and, and quality and costs and figuring out the costs relative to life cycle payback versus financing that only happens with first costs and you know all these sorts of things. You know, even if you really you know, we're motivated, which, which as we were, you know, you gotta, you gotta really, um, you know, you can find ways to do this in in cost parity ways, but but the management team has to spend that much more time, kind of going back to school to figure out a lot of things to do things differently to get those better outcomes, and that I would say is is also a function of you know by virtue of government policies, both municipal, you know, it's, and again, stressing, it's a very Mm -hmm. difficult process. You know, you're driven to the minimum baseline and it's, uh, you know, I I would say, as I said before, there was really not a developer appetite to do so. I'd say now increasingly, uh, you know, as we've seen in the commercial office space where more sophisticated tenants and end users are becoming aware, so therefore demanding, consumers are becoming more aware and understanding and and appreciating and so that I think is also driving developers to understand okay we need to start you know working towards that and there's genuinely uh, an understanding from a global perspective of care and concern and what can we do right uh, so that at least the, the conversation is changing but the complexity is not any less and I would say you know to some questions might come you know the government is is sort of fragmenting things in such a way it's perhaps making it more difficult than easier.
2: Hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I, I let's list, just listen to, that, you know, you can kind of see from, you know, the institutional perspective or the, or the office side, you know, you get to a big company and they get to say they're in a lead building and that they're, they put on their website, right. They can advertise the fact that we're going green zero, zero carbon footprint. It's pretty catchy. What it actually means and what they're doing it is probably secondary, but on the residential side, you know, an end purchaser or a buyer buying a unit in a in either a condo or a renting in a rental building i mean it's not it doesn't have the same you know they're not advertising that on their personal website <laughs> they're starting <laughs> so, you know, to are they yeah people yeah Like, so, so i guess it goes to the second, next question are people genuinely willing to pay up or or invest in in a greener building yeah, I mean, I, I think that all comes with
0: the premise and that, that goes back to, you know, the, the foundation, you know, this book I'd read, Natural Capitalism, sort of saying, you know, yes, this stuff costs more, but real estate, for example, is an industry where for a life cycle, from a life cycle perspective, you know, if you make the right decisions, it should pay for itself. And so the, you're really stuck between the, bridge between the first cap, you know, higher first capital costs and and how you kind of finance that from a life cycle point of view. So for our condos, for example, we were the first ones in Canada to come up with what's called a green loan, which was essentially, you know, and, and, to point about end users, it, it should be positioned or we feel it can be positioned in a way that you're just getting a better product for the same price. Mm-hmm. I mean it's it's better quality stuff, it's better air quality, it's better, you know, and 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 certainly people aren't too concerned about energy use, but they care about health and, you know, and, and well being and those sorts of things. So the tricks really come into again the time spent to to sort of understand the deltas. Are the deltas just a first capital cost or is it a life cycle? If there's no life cycle payback, yeah, it's it's kinda of tough. And if there is a life cycle payback, how do you structure that? You know, so that, that as a merchant developer you can still come out whole and and everyone can, you know, sort of win at the end of the day. So we we as an example structured these green loans, which now the Toronto Atmospheric Fund picked up and has been offering and Tridell's picked them up and used them in town and, and uh different different ways to bridge that gap.
1: Interesting. Well I, I, I did have a question, I guess, to uh for the entire you know your entire company you've uh, i think on your website say you want to be the greenest real estate company um, and Steve Steve always says it's not easy being green or, or maybe that's maybe that was a puppet that said that but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know there's with this, uh, you know there's lead but uh, I also yeah, there's lead out there <laughs> I also see the the well building guidelines and I know that you guys are now uh, one planet living you're under the one planet living framework maybe can you give us an idea of what, what, what these different things are yeah
0: I, I mean like our understanding of of climate and other things uh you know sustainability is an evolving you know sort of definition and so LEED serves the purpose of individual building performance and and uh energy performance and air quality and those sorts of things uh well would step in there then and focus particularly on uh health and wellness and and that's you know around the indoor air quality and natural light and other things that you know drives performance of and the health of and productivity of the occupants. But when we when we think about, you know, and COVID has certainly uh, exasperated some of the stuff, how we organize organize ourselves as as a society um, is all interconnected and has a, a bunch of social impacts to it as well. And so the reason we've gravitated towards the One Planet Living Framework, and, and we came across it uh, in the first place because we also have a uh, uh, an advisory arm called Urban Equation. And we do work for lots of different developers and governments and things and driving sustainability strategies. So we were working on a community uh, called Sonoma Mountain Village outside of uh, San Francisco. And it was it had adopted this One Planet Living Framework, which which we weren't overly familiar with. And then as we spent time on it, really... Got to appreciate that what it was doing was building on these things. So it focused on you know it's driving towards zero carbon. It's it's got all the different things that lead would have. It's got the health and wellness that well would have. But it also has several components that deal with social impact. And and so in our evolution of sort of leading, you know, we've actually changed our mantra mantra to uh, no longer saying we want to be the greenest developer. But we want to uh, regenerate community in the sense of creating thriving places where people live, work, and play and, and uh, have a lot of social impact in the things we do as well. And so the One Planet Living framework, as an example, we brought the, one f- the first One Planet Living community to Canada uh, with a project called Zibi in Ottawa. So Zibi is a 4 million square foot uh, <laughs> development downtown Ottawa. That, that you see
2: 4 million square feet like it's just some... <laughs> Nice little this tiny little thing we got working on. (laughs) Yeah, it's sizable. It's It's a sizable development. Come on, it's huge. (laughs) It's it's very impressive. It's very impressive. It was
0: bigger than we could take on. So we had brought Dream on as a partner after we'd gone through and gotten the approvals and and all those sorts of things uh, in place. But that was a a piece of land as an example where uh, it was was considered sacred by the local indigenous Algonquin nations, uh, had a lot of, you know, sort of, government if you know, different elements to it. And so the social component to our plan was was critical in doing that. And we have, for example, 48 different measures in that plan that deal with Indigenous issues well beyond just architectural recognition and name recognition, but, but you know, uh, helping create businesses together, giving opportunities to invest in things and generally uh, looking at the communities we're building in to find those social impact things as well. So the second one planet living community in Canada that we've created uh, or had approved is in Guelph, Ontario. It's called the Baker Street redevelopment.
2: And you'd think he's reading our, uh, yeah, our list of questions cool. yeah. here. Sorry he's if I'm uh, ahead. rambling ahead. Here. <laughs> no, no, no. It's good. You're, you're jumping. You're jumping right into uh, the talking points. It's great. But that's
0: a town that you know historically is a, is an agricultural town, is now thriving and trying to thrive in the ag tech world, just got a, a big grant from the federal government for a closed loop uh, closed economy food cycle. And uh, you know there are big focuses on urban agriculture, you know and in, and in, in trying to sort of drive that through. So the theming of these things becomes well beyond just the building, you know, and that the building is trying to get to zero energy, but but uh, really creating uh, better community places.
1: That's awesome. That's great. Can you
2: tell us a little bit more about the uh, stick handling of the the uh, Algonquin First Nations in Ottawa and that project? And sort of like, I mean, it must have been sensitive. It's a lot of it's a lot of density, but it's political.
0: Yeah, so that was a you know an interesting site in that. Uh, so the site was owned by Domtar. It was an old pulp and paper plant. It, it's uh, half, well, it's it's two thirds on the Quebec side, a third on the Ontario side. So you well, got two not different companies. <laughs> you know, it's sitting in the middle of the Ottawa River. It's it's overseen by the National Capital Commission, which can be challenging and uh, it was a heavily contaminated site and had a lot of indigenous interest so (laughs) simple Domtar (laughs) knew you know from day one that they couldn't just put up a for sale sign because they were just going to get roasted and they really needed to find a partner that they thought could uh, you know sort of create the narrative for this project that it becomes a a, a positive narrative and they're just along for the support and and it's not them sort of putting this up to to the highest bidder so again, they had a number of of uh, you know obviously it's a it's a huge opportunity, a very attractive. Number of different you know bidders um, trying to get in, and, and as they spent more time in, in our approach, they saw that um, and, and in our track record and working with the different municipalities, that, that we'd had a very good success rate in getting people rallied around common cause and development to move this thing forward. So they selected us to proceed on a structured deal. And um, you know the first thing we did was, was sort of created what would be uh, the framework for a One Planet Living action plan. So when you, when you undertake a project as a One Planet Living project, you have to start with an action plan, which has 10 items. And the nice thing, again, unlike Lead, where you're just sort of ticking boxes, you got to kind of really create the curated custom impact elements to these things that relate to that community you're in you know, that can really drive a change. And what that did is, is allowed us to get the see, to, now, Ottawa, NCC, Indigenous, local community, sitting all around the table. Before we had drawn a picture of tall buildings and talked about traffic and all that, and just get agreement on the principles of what it is that we would be seeking to create as as a community. And right away, walls came down, and it was sort of proactive discussion, not, you know, sort of uh, reactive. And through that, uh, we were actually able to get um, the three... Different governmental jurisdictions got no Ottawa see to collapse into one approval board as opposed to having to go through three, which is kind of unheard of. Uh, get First Nations at the table, uh, Indigenous groups uh, in, in, a, in a collaborative way. You know, you're never going to get 100% agreement, but we'd created... Um, actually a council of of, uh, women from the different communities called the Memangwishi Council who really acted as great advisors. And then obviously we were dealing with the different chiefs, but got them to sign and work with us on a friendship agreement basis all around this One Planet Living Action Plan. And, uh, you know, Long story short, what was seen as one of the hairiest you know, sort of approval processes, probably in Ottawa, if not province ever. or country,
1: ever. Uh, <laughs>
0: we got our rezoning in six months from submission to wow. Wow. Now, obviously, lots of wow <laughs> working around the, you know, the the, the around the ba- in the background before submission itself. But yeah, it, it really, you know, and that that's the power when we when we talk about investing and you know the the, the front end of stuff cost money. Time is money. And, and the more you can take down those walls, uh, get the productive, con- proactive conversations going, get, get collaboration instead of friction, we can expedite and that makes money at the same time. Yeah.
1: Well, that's fantastic. That's yeah. Impressive. I mean, if, uh, part of the problem with our Planning processes, people don't know something's happening, and then all of a sudden they see a sign on there, yeah. and it's forty nine stories, and yeah. and uh, yeah, they just their immediate reaction is, oh my yeah. god, they're changing my neighborhood, everything's going to change, you know, for the worse. So yeah, I think it's uh, it's a you know it's a, it's an amazing way that you went about uh, uh, doing that. But uh, this is a Toronto podcast, so we want to d- briefly uh, talk about some of your Toronto projects. So you had a partner curated properties, seventy eight unit mid rise building. Near Queen Street, uh, the one thing I did want to ask about it, though, is um, almost ninety percent of the units were were above seven hundred square feet. I'm just curious why you decided to go with was kind that, of large was that, units. Was that in a that cabin? No, it was next to the cabin. This
2: is called the plant. The plant was yeah. that on the corner? Yeah, right south of the cabin. Yeah, oh, yeah. got it. Yeah, yeah, you guys bought that.
0: Yeah, well, we it was actually we brought we brought we we'd, we'd uh, Duflet
2: was the owner of that site. Yeah, that what was Duflet? That was a um, bakery. Yeah, I toured it when it was for sale. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so we, 40, we actually 41 overcourt. Yeah, 41 door,
0: Yeah. We, Jer- we, Jeremiah
2: Sheamus sold that. I'm pretty sure.
0: Well, we'd been brought on as the, uh, as the as <laughs> the Duflet hired us actually to um, to help her in in getting rezoned through our advisory arm, and then as we uh, got went further along, uh, and we often try and do this, we'll go in and work do our advisory work, but have a hook in there as far as ulterior of motive
1: yeah. <laughs> I'll say it for
0: you <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> But please hire us advisors and we'll be neutral anytime. Yeah,
1: maybe,
0: uh, <laughs> maybe I'll have a development arm as well. You yeah. know.
2: I'm surprised you haven't.
0: So anyways, as we went through the process, obviously the, that area started getting quite uh, interesting. So then, uh, yeah, we, we ended up doing a deal with Duflet, And then we, because, you know, we're based in Ottawa, we've developed across kind of, we hadn't done a ton. We've done a little bit, but not a ton. And, and specifically niche in that area, you know, curated as a great boutique, you know, sort of uh, developing in that area. So we brought them, on as a as a partner to uh, you know sort of make sure we we kind of hit it right from a market perspective, but what was interesting with that so we you know again there although it wasn't a one planet living we took the approach of it and really focused on because of the history of Deflet as a bakery because that whole area used to be manufacturing and you know plants if you want to call it we uh, we themed the whole thing around urban agriculture. And uh, we uh, got great, you know, sort of take up in. in, in it's Toronto, so it doesn't matter. But we just spent five hundred grand on a sales center. We never had to open, uh, <laughs> but we we sort of did an alternative approach instead of doing your traditional marketing. You know, we we brought in a, a farm to table chef and hosted a dinner with a bunch of food related media, and then it sort of sprinkled out and got a whole different uh, catchment to it. Uh, so that was, uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. The but your question specifically yeah it was
1: about you did almost all large units ninety yeah, actually, percent so yes large in a Toronto context seven hundred square feet but mm-hmm.
0: so so I am actually uh, the only one that because uh, I I need a peer to terre here I'm the only ones that owns I'm the only bachelor unit in the whole building. <laughs> <laughs> Down in itself has it's got a whole moving system in it. It's kind of cool. So it's, but uh, because, yeah, the type of buyers, and this is typical for our projects, we're generally having a fairly low percentage investor buyer and much more owner-occupier buyer in, in, in most of our projects. And so, uh, yeah, we had the combine all, all our smaller units we had basically got purchased to combine and and ended up so our first you know our our first mix looked more like your traditional Toronto mix uh, but fairly flexible and ended up in a in a much sort of bigger jet bigger average suite
1: wow yeah that's that's unbelievable the market has changed probably so dramatically there's just so few end user buildings that are anywhere near downtown right yeah. you know there's yeah. uh, almost all investor driven projects so
2: and you have another question about another project outside of Ottawa about Guelph
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I'm so, interested to uh, um, hear the answer, but it's, yeah, it's, so it's, a, it's a
2: Guelph-based question. Yeah, so I'm
1: a Guelph guy, you know. Um, and you're, you know, you're building on the 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 main parking lot in yeah. in downtown. And one of my friends in high school, uh, he's a little upset about losing that parking for his downtown business. Uh-huh. So uh, you know, just Is that maybe the one give beside a- the train station. It was right in the core. Like, there's a parking lot that's like kind of uh, skyline the business is right around the train it. station. Yeah, okay, yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, so, what's the question here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so how's it progressing? And you know how? Oh, yeah, you're what dealing, are you doing there? How I'm are you dealing you said, with? Uh, Hold on,
2: before you go on, I got I got to get my bearings. Where exactly
1: is it? You're saying the big main parking lot downtown Guelph? Yeah, yeah. There's a parking lot right behind all the old historic buildings. It's it's basically, you know. If you I got, got off the train, it's less than
0: a five minute walk, yeah. you know, to get to yeah. Yeah, and, and so it has a library in it, and yeah. So that, that was a partnership again. That that's we 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 don't like participating in RFPs if we can help it. But that was again uh, the city of Guelph put forward an RFP that uh, it was more bent towards uh, achieving high degree of sustainability and and. Um, uh, Community building and and there was a land price, but less driven by the land price, and uh, so we bid on that using the one plan living framework. Again, there were twelve bidders. They narrowed it down to four. They ended up selecting us uh, with it really being meant to be a, a, a revitalization project for for downtown Guelph, with you know anchored by a new municipal library, and then there'll be about uh, two towers, four hundred residential units. There is. There was an intent. There's still a discussion happening to have a community college as part of it. Covid and provincial fundings kind of changed that a bit, so we're still kind of working through that. and most importantly, for your friend, we place parking underground that's above ground, you know to create uh, to create public parking that's needed um, that that's also going to serve the library,
1: yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I uh, Guelph is super green, so I, yeah, <laughs> I know that they're they 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 uh, probably definitely had you top of the list in terms of their uh, their uh, well political leanings and their uh, is it an environment? Is you have, can you have an environmental leaning? <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can do <laughs> that.
2: I want to get. A, I want to move on and talk about uh, the impact fund you're working on, but before we do, just really quickly, I'm interested um, in a bit of your philosophy around uh, geographic locations because you're not like like we said you're not a base builder but obviously ventured well outside your area code um most developers we talk to sort of they have their node it's like node within a node within a city you know what i mean whereas you seem to be much more opportunistic happy to leave ottawa go to toronto go to guelph obviously you've been out west so sort of what's the philosophy behind that? Um, we don't see it a lot, and I'm just curious, you know. Yeah, and, it,
1: and it's you know again, the,
2: the, the, it's again, this, the, there's the easy approach, which which is to just sort of uh,
0: practice in your backyard right. and you have all your relationships and you know what you do. But as I said, you know from from the beginning of the building, uh, the the business, you know, we uh, we're, were we knew we were starting with a business that really is is based on the biggest balance sheet, and and we didn't have that right, and and so how do we Get ourselves into opportunities like Dockside Green and things like that, where uh, we can um, be in the in a driving position, but also really be in positions where everything's aligned politically, you know, all the way to community, that the intent is to achieve a, a industry leading outcome. So anything that we're generally involved in is because whether it's something that we've sourced directly or because it is a process that uh, is is requiring some sort of competitive process it's driven by the principles of, of a real desire and we see the channels there that that there's uh, a real intent to create a sustainability showcase you know uh, and, and uh, an impact showcase from from the development and we'll rally the troops and find the partners around that because we you know increasingly as we've had our bumps and learn our different things, uh, you, you know, can can expedite the process for people to, you know, kind of mm-hmm. go down that that
1: path. Yeah, it's interesting. I've had a few clients that uh, you know have uh, projects in in you know other cities or even in other countries, and they were surprised at how well they were able to manage those projects. Uh, during COVID, when they didn't have to travel, they're like, you know what? I didn't have to go down, go there every three weeks or every month. You know, like surprised how I uh, give you know some of my partners and uh, uh, in these other places the responsibility, and I and they've managed it a hundred percent. So it's kind of interesting. Just uh, it's not really well, a question there, but a comment. No, but you <laughs> know, I'll
0: say you know. So so one of the most when you're doing stuff in different geographies, you know, we usually you're hiring there, but you know, one of the most painful things you can do is have to go travel. You know, four or five hours to go sit in a city council meeting, you know, for the, and all that being virtual, I hope it never changes. Never changes. That is fantastic. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So let's move on. I know this is uh, a hot topic for you, um, but you're involved, I think it's about approximately $100 million capital raise, the One Planet Living Real Estate Fund with Epic Investments, if I'm not mistaken, which is a mixed use opportunistic real estate development impact fund that aims to deliver returns on investment. In and around 18 percent
1: sounds so. impossible
2: <laughs> <It's not> impossible 18 <laughs> percent no it's simple it's easy <laughs> but an impact fund we actually had uh, uh maziar from tass on yeah. the show great guy amazing vision yeah he's uh he's yep. raising it's an impact fund as well obviously yep. you know him yeah um so talk talk to us about this it's exciting you must be excited
0: yeah, no. We're, I mean, we're excited. I mean, part of it, it was it was uh, again uh, part of the the journey in the sense that all our different projects we we you know we generally seed it with our money and then we syndicate and bring other investors uh, to move things along. And and uh, as we've been growing, we're getting uh, we're getting uh, more and more sort of uh, interested in capital. But but you know, getting capital as the dialogue has been changing the capital markets as well from. You know, say for example, one of our uh, main investors is is McConnell Foundation, who who is uh, Canada's largest private foundation that is thought of charitable and mission driven. But all these foundations are increasingly sitting on a, on a fair bit of core investment capital that they, like anyone else, are driven to say we got to invest this somewhere to get a return so we can serve our purpose and mission. But increasingly, understanding that you know, okay, we stopped investing in cigarettes. That was okay, you know. Maybe we start investing, and maybe maybe we actually can start investing in opportunities that uh, both align with our our mission and can get the returns we need to allow us to do our other work. So, increasingly, we we're getting um, people with that kind of capital coming to us, as well as you know, family offices. Of you know, is there a way we can kind of invest in in these uh, type of projects? And we had just been. Having some good success with uh, the One Planet Living framework, so we ended up negotiating to uh, get the license to to brand uh, for real estate funds in North America, uh, the One Planet Living Fund, and so it's it's leveraging the One Planet Living framework. It's got very clear metrics, both from an impact point of view and and other to to um, demonstrate success. And um, you know we've got about a billion dollars worth of projects that we're funding with uh, the fund and that fund we brought in so as a as a as a development firm we hadn't managed a fund before we've managed lots of funds on a project level basis but not a fund and we're looking at this as a platform that we think can really grow and and get to a point where we're going to get some strong institutional support and other things if we can sort of move this forward. But we uh, recognize that our uh, weak link was we didn't have that sort of back of house fiduciary management to to deal with the kind of institutional that you know well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. So um, we had been our advisory arm again had been doing some work with uh, Epic uh, in in looking at some of their buildings and some sustainability strategies. I, I like, like the
2: name of that company. Epic Investments. Epic Investments. Yeah, are they out of Ottawa? Are they out of Toronto? No, they're out of Toronto. Yeah, they're they're
0: fairly, like they're they're about seventeen billion under assets oh. or assets under management. So they're no small oh, guys. Uh, company, and they they basically have very strong relations with most of the pensions that are you know putting money into the real estate world and, and working and have managed several funds in the past. Uh, and, and the woman I'm dealing with, Leticia Picard, she w- used to be president of uh, Strathallen, managed six funds there. So anyways, had that that fund track record that allowed us to kind of marry where they're doing the back of house, we're doing the front of house, and we've got a platform now to really build this up. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Well, nice. congrats. So,
1: you've got, so now you're doing a second fund, I guess, all right? So this is a uh, a different one than the first one? This is a commercial? No, this, this, the, the, one plan living
0: fund is, is we've done, uh, we completed the first close of $50 million. Uh, and, uh, we're looking to do a, a second close by January of the balance of the 50. Uh, and, uh, then looking to, you know, like, like you do try and hit a few out of the park and, and get into fund two and fund three. Okay. Do you have any,
2: uh, do you feel any pressure now that you've raised the money in the fund to find deals and put the money to use or to work? Yeah, I mean that's always the, the, the balancing act, right? Yeah, but we that is absolutely we
0: the, for the fund one like we we understood the need for fund one to be successful. And so the projects that we're putting in the fund are projects that we've curated for the last some of them five years. Right. We've put about ten million of our own money into them to kind of get them to a point. Right. So that uh you know, this billion this five billion, sorry, this billion dollar pipeline. Is a pipeline of secured deals. So the fund that the the capital we're raising is coming in and going out. We're not having to be shopping, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know that 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 doesn't mean we're not always out looking for deals to refresh that. And and uh, you know especially in this market in Toronto, it's uh, it's tough slugging to
2: find reasonable deals. I know. Well, that's the that's sort of the why I asked the question. It's just this never-ending conundrum of raise money, find deals, put capital out, and yeah. you know you don't want to raise the money and then have it sit stagnant, not yeah. earning any return, dilute your returns if you. Yeah. Don't have it earning a clip, or you don't want to take on, but you don't want to take on bad but deals the, just because to, you, you want, want to chase. The, yeah, you don't want yeah. to chase it. as uh, as Ben Myers would say, you don't want to chase bad pitches. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it kills you, it kills you, and you strike out on on uh, after three, and then you're done. So, and and you have a good point. You know, we're we're in the business of uh, raising capital and having funds, and especially in the beginning, like you do not want to have a bad deal in the fund. Yeah. You just do not. It's it's suicide. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I I we've done a lot of. Similar sort of structuring where you know we've raised funds and just bought pieces of existing deals or legacy deals that we knew were good deals and yeah you know you know the performance is going to be there yeah and uh, kind of gives your investors the security and, and confidence for the next one yeah. so listen yeah. all the best Absolute and good luck and you yeah. you had mentioned so you ra- it, it was a hundred million dollar raise and you leveraged to a billion dollars of. of
0: yeah, so it's obviously not the only equity in the deals. Right, uh, it's it's partial equity, and it depends how far along some of the deals are. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's basically
1: funding into a billion dollar pipeline we've got underway right now. Wow, so good for you! And how many projects yep. would that be? Seven. Wow. Yeah, okay. I, I see that. Uh, I read an article that you're um, going to do some retrofitting of Class B and Class C buildings in Ottawa and Toronto, bring them to a modern, environmentally sustainable standards. Can you give us some examples of you know what you're doing on the retrofit side? Yeah, so retrofits are tough. I mean, and if we want to talk about
0: sustainability, new buildings don't really matter. You know, 99% of the problem is existing buildings and, and, and getting them moved along. So we, uh, years ago, formed a joint venture with uh, Leadcore Construction out of uh, BC, and they're now fairly present here in Toronto, uh, with the idea of, of sort of a kind of developer design build finance if needed approach to retrofit. And uh, we have done some work with Morgard. So 77 Blur Street was sort of maybe the showcase project for that, which uh, Morgard had just bought the building from Cadillac Fairview. They were sitting there with some leasing risk, and and, uh, we ended up working with them to essentially turn that building into uh, a lead gold building from what was a 60s energy hog. And um, you know, sort of again, took it from the developer mindset in the sense that uh, by optimizing that building, you, you know, for example, the old mechanical system took up two floors. So by optimizing it, you only needed kind of half a floor, and we created new leasable space, and you know, that basically paid for everything. <laughs> but but you know, little things like on the on the ground floor, for example, at the retail, uh, the windows were inset on the inside of the columns, and that's. You know, pretty expensive lease space. So when you replace the windows, you put them on the outside of the column. You know, just little things like that. Where you're twelve square feet. Yeah, you're tweaking performance of the building, but also like tweaking performance all around right from a retrofit right. point of view so our goal is but it's tough you know and in, in in with the fund is is to be um you know acquiring those class b and c buildings and treating it like a new development project basically and in, in in optimizing that performance and then pitching them uh, putting them back on the market but it's uh you know there's a whole synchronicity that has to come together for that to work and it's uh, it's it's tough to tackle Wow,
1: and uh, are these buildings still being option? You know, are people still leasing units while you're doing it, or are you just all the tenants? Out? So
0: 77 Bloor is an example uh, that was done fully occupied. All the work was done at night. You know, and that was a complete reskinning. Complete yeah, but how do you do mechanical that? Mechanical system. How do you how do you have tenants in there while you're doing that? You you basically we we got a video which which is kind of cool. But when people leave at five. So these aren't you know um, uh, late you know shift workers, but yeah. but you know, sort of generally a, a nine to five population then a uh, whole floor gets tarped, you know windows are getting taken out and put in, mechanical system getting taken out and put in by nine o'clock the next morning, you know you might have half a floor that was done, everything's put back, everything's cleaned up, and wow. people are back at work again and that, you <laughs> oh, know that wow. was uh, <laughs> that was again a very detailed math to say, okay, we can move everybody and Relocate them some of that's gonna kind of have a cost. Or you can kick or we them out, do this kind kill, of work. kill the lease. Yeah. And then clean it up and then release. But that's yeah. a huge cost. And that was a huge cost as well. Yeah. So you know in that case, Morgard was the owner. They will, you know, happily advocate they, they made far better returns off the whole thing than they expected. Uh, and kept their tenants and kept everything, you know, sort of going at the same time.
2: Wow. And that's, then that that
0: success. Brought the same program over to 60 Blur Street, which is just getting finished now. In fact, I think they are finished now.
2: So, so you guys, 50-50 partners in those deals?
0: No. So those deals were done as more of a service. You know, so Morgard remained the owner. We didn't become an owner. Uh, this this was really in, in our own learning curve too to, to find the right approach to do this, and uh, it was done on sort of a, a fixed price you know design build approach where right. we led the design and 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 uh, was doing the building but from that we appreciate that you know from a from a developer and fund point of view we want to be going in now and being owners right, and uh, right. and and that's you know the, the 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 tier a capital doesn't need partners you know so they just need service providers it's, right, it's right. the tier b and tier c that um, have opportunity to to buy into and to move along and all that kind of stuff but it's uh, you know it's an interesting crowd of owners so
2: very interesting You guys have a full guide? I had no idea how how wide a range of uh, services you provided on top of developments you're doing. It sounds like the consulting business is just as active or more. Than the actual development business. Yeah, we're very like, we're the sustainability consultants on Downsview, on, uh,
0: you know, a lot of the larger projects you'd see in town, we've been acting as a sustainability uh, consultant on. And we've really looked at it because, again, it's really about uh, increasing our knowledge. So a lot of, you know, again, in a traditional real estate practice, again, the firm will do development and then might have property management as the cash flow you know and and but it's kind of from a knowledge perspective kind of debt you know you right, get, right. so we sort of more looked at it as uh, we're going to do our development and we're going to have an active consulting business which is going to be both our cash flow but and then we can learn from others and and also bring our knowledge to others through the process well what, so.
2: what business is larger at this point and has more staff uh the development business okay yeah so it is yep. still larger yeah Okay,
1: well, well, I like I, it. I want to bring it back to Toronto. I, uh, I been work to on Kingston Road, and I see that you have a uh, project coming up on Victoria Park in, uh, in the Burst Cliff Village area. Um, this is a, currently a gas station. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe tell us a little bit about how... You got comfortable with the environmentals, I guess, on the on the site with the gas station.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, p- part of the, you know, I guess for good or bad, we, we never uh, generally get involved in nice, clean deals. <laughs> uh, about 80% of the projects we've developed have been brownfields. So we're-, we're is, that, is that intentional? That's that's intentional yeah. uh, in, the, in the degree of the, the knowledge, but also in how we structure things. So in that case, that owner- Is a partner of ours in the project, so we generally aren't just going and buying the brownfields either. We're, We're we're essentially bringing them in, you know. Baker is a brownfield in Guelph, uh, and and the city's our partner. So that we are, you know, we're dealing with a land value, but we're also having the environmental liability rest with the landowner in the sense that they see a lot of upside by being a partner and going through the development. But they also, um, you know, we do our homework very carefully, but you never know until you crack it open that if there are some unknown risks, we have protection, you know, with, with, with that. And so that's another one, you know, yes, that's a gas station that we're reinventing and that will be a lead platinum mixed use, uh, condo
1: building. Nice. Nice. And you're launching that this year?
0: We are soft launching, uh, you know, city is, is, uh, we, we also with material costs going where it was a whole other discussion, I'm yeah. sure as far as, uh, <laughs> We
2: had, we had uh, now Finnegan on the show previously. I don't know if you've worked with now from Finnegan Marshall. I, I know I haven't worked with him, but I know who he is. Yeah. Costing is, I mean, we could have a whole, I know. We, hour did, have a full, we, did, we have did have a full <laughs> hour conversation about costs. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get to half the things we wanted to talk about. Yeah, costs are so no so costing what? right now. I don't know what you build today.
0: It, right, right now, you know, yeah. with what's going on. But all, all that to say, we because of permitting all that kind of stuff, we, we increasingly also see the value, especially in Toronto that you want to launch when you know you're going to be building very shortly after. So we don't want to. We didn't want to launch well, now, knowing that, we're a little that ways. Does out from that does bring me
1: back to yeah. uh, a question I had I had earlier, but we we missed it. Um, you know, relates to you know costs and and, and how things how they can get out of control. You guys were involved in a church conversion, which you know that first got canceled, and then you brought it back to the market. Yeah. What, what uh, can you maybe tell us what went wrong the first time around, and uh, <laughs> what, did you, what what you learned from that one? What well, didn't go wrong? <laughs> 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 Everyone's got one of those on the resume, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: So that was when uh, again we actually came in more on a consulting basis with an existing owner. And um, reluctantly, that's when we didn't really want to, but reluctantly came in because uh, that owner was not going to be able to pull it off. They had asked if we would maybe get more involved, you know, to help the, the owner along. And uh, that was one I my gut knew because the, the you know we cool. so able,
2: you weren't involved. Ivan was involved. He called you and said, so "Can you help out?" With the, this Ivan, I, so Ivan had not. Ivan had done a a,
0: a land loan on it yeah, and yeah. was debating going further. And right. then, yes, got into that, that sort of dialogue. And we were advising Mark, well, the guy who, who sort of ran what was there. but uh, So we, we got a normal, if we're going to do that, we want to get in a controlling position. We, we sort of came in in a quasi-controlling position. And uh, the other owner had dictated what contractor we use and all these sorts of things. Anyways, cracked that thing open far bigger mess than anybody thought. And uh, the contractor that was there was the wrong, you know, was the wrong, so they went bankrupt, all these sorts of terrible things that happened. So we, uh, we then worked with Foremost, got the other owner out, brought in Leadcore, who's one of our preferred contractors, got it cleaned up back to market and, uh, uh, you know, from the outside looking in, looks like a great project. Yeah, it's a really it's really <laughs> so, a beautiful, yeah. a beautiful yeah. project. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: and that's the thing. Like yeah. on the, on the uh, you know, I I'm fairly active on Twitter and I have conversations all the time. And everyone just assumes that every developer is is just absolutely rich and right. uh, can afford to put forty percent of their units as affordable units in a, in a project. So it's it's always interesting to you know to talk about some of the warts that are out there yeah. and and, uh, and and how you know how risky this. Uh, this business is but yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I did have another question for you here on uh, you know we hear a lot about you know all glass high-rise towers are viewed as you know bad for the environment um, but buyers love all glass towers and 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 floor to ceiling windows you know I, I guess my, my my question is 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 uh, you know are there you know is there heating and cooling issues with this type of build and and how are you kind of getting around this you know? The discussion in the industry of, uh, of uh, all, all glass towers?
0: Well, I'd say uh, you know, it, it starts with buyer education. So you know, one, one thing we like to try and uh, promote is that if, if someone comes into one of our sales centers, they might not buy one of our units, but we hope they go ask them questions of, of where they do buy. Because when you say people love all glass, when you look at an all glass building, what are you generally looking at when you look up at it?
1: I don't know. Blinds. <laughs> <Balconies>. Blinds, yeah. <Blinds. laughs> yeah.
0: Right? Yeah. Everyone ends up covering up all the glass. So yeah. they, they say they want all glass uh, or they they get sold on the notion of all glass and views and then they cover 80% of it up.
1: Yeah.
0: And and that does create a uh, a poor performing envelope. It does create uh, a very uncomfortable draft in the building, less comfort. Uh, you know, so we're you know, we're generally striving in our buildings for a 45 to 50% window-to-wall ratio, you know, as opposed to these that might be more like 80. And that's driven by performance. But again, you place, place the windows in the right place. You market it in a way that people appreciate they're actually, you know, not giving up anything in 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 the sense of what they typically would be looking to cover up or not anyways. And they also understand the benefits it gives them for their own comfort, you know, and, and, and cost. And so that's one where I think the more people appreciate that, the more people might think twice about buying an all glass box that they're going to go and and get blinds to cover 80% of it. Yeah.
1: And I think the buildings look better without it, right? Yeah. Um, You know, it's funny when when people do these um, polls on which buildings they like best. They always pick the commercial buildings with no uh, balconies. Right. <laughs> but the residential buildings always are lower on the list of what people uh, people like. But then if you have a, a, a any type of, you know, historical uh, redone, yeah. redone, people love those, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting how what people say they want and what they actually uh, yeah. uh, say that they like after after the fact. So. Well, and that has,
0: like you, you go into your typical sales center, you're getting sold on, all glass you're getting sold on the granite county you're getting sold on all the, you know as as opposed to you know increasingly people are coming where you know uh, getting sold on performance on on the comfort the air quality you know all those things that a lot of these buyers when they move in like i i purposely for uh you know the last 10 years i now have a place here but but would purposely do airbnbs and lots of condos just to kind of get a, a sense you know of and you know there's a lot of Brand new, very drafty condos out there. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I can imagine.
1: So we're
2: uh, we're getting near the end here, see? Yeah, we are, we are. It's been a great conversation. Um, anything we haven't touched on that No, we've covered a lot of grants. Yeah, we have covered yeah. a lot. You've, yeah. uh, it's been very, very enlightening for sure. So you guys are busy, much busier and, and larger uh, in terms of amount of projects and size of projects. I want to ask you one thing actually before I move on. You said you mentioned at one point being partners with Dream. How's that? And uh obviously have you done any other deals with them or is it just the one deal or how, how did that how did that come together?
0: So that's a you know, that's a, an interesting story as well in, in the sense that we got the project um sort of initiated the approvals. We'd brought Dream in as a as a fifty percent partner. I won't was, lie. That, was
2: that a first time thing with Dream? It yeah. was. It,
0: it was the first time, but we tried on a few other things. Okay, and and okay. just you know,
2: is that your did, relationship with Michael or is it with? Uh, uh, I was with Jason Lester, Jason Lester. Uh,
0: primarily, and and, great and then guy. obviously got to know Michael. Yeah, great yeah. guy. Uh, but I won't lie. When we started with uh, Dream, it was a bit of an uphill battle on the sustainability stuff, right? And getting them on, <laughs> on board, and and uh, you know, as that's moved along, then um, again, Dream. Once we got it all approved and it was sort of seen as a longer-term thing, Dream had given us an offer that, again, we couldn't refuse to to buy greater share, which 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 they've done. But it's also through this process, you know, they are are uh, now promoting the Dream Impact Trust, which and and uh, you know a big ESG folks fund, which which I'd like to think, you know, their experience with Zibi and One Planet Living had had uh, sort of been a, a key part of that. So that. In, in what we're trying to do, and to get uh, others, you know, kind of accelerating their curve. In that point of view, it's been it's been
1: a success. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, the, the ed- education is, is is so important in getting yeah. people involved. So
2: now you're rubbing off uh, in a very positive way. It's a great impact you've had on the building industry, but uh, from a sustainable stain- sustainability perspective, even greater. So yeah, what we like to do now is a little rapid fire. Um, no one
1: ever gives us rapid fire answers, but we ah. <laughs> five to ten, five yeah, to ten I'm red taking, words yeah. is kind of what we're aiming at. We'll just we'll just throw a match you. Some are dumb, some are real estate related, some aren't. So yeah, absolutely. So, should I go first? Uh, well, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I gave you I gave you one layup at the beginning. i
2: well, we'll mix it in. You won't <laughs> know
1: when it's coming. Okay, uh, here's the first question. Your brother works the firm, but if he got la- out of line, would you fire him? Uh, we already don't work together anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I was reading an old wow. an old article. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well. Where did he go?
0: Uh, he, uh, a long story, but he's, he, he'd come from, he'd, he'd ran uh, a Brownfield remediation firm called, uh, Quantum. And that's why we were partnering up in Brownfields. So he's largely back spending his time, uh, running a company called, My- well, working with a company Milestone and doing some other real estate stuff, but sort so, of. So you
1: see you do- have uh, very similar mindsets in terms of, uh, in terms of development then. Yeah. He's, he's been very successful on,
2: on, uh, especially on the remediation side of things. Yeah. Okay. What's a better play moving forward? Student housing or seniors housing? Tough one. Uh, I would say both are getting very crowded.
0: Yeah. So I would say, uh, I'm going to say the um, millennial, just one step from student. (laughs)
1: Okay. So the The furnished
0: kind of millennial, you know, uh, just getting a little bit of money out on okay. your own. So professional co- you're, you're
1: more on board with co-living then.
2: Co-living. No, it's not co-living. Yeah.
1: It's, it's called, it's, um,
2: there's a group out of Ottawa that's doing quite a bit of a forum did one. For it's smart, uh, it's, uh, um, smart, smart living.
1: So smart we, living.
0: we're helping smart living with
2: some of their sustainability, you really? know, sort of tragedies, for example. And okay.
1: that's
0: when, you know, you put sustainability on that audience and you've got a great twist going on there.
1: Yeah. How many rate hikes will we see next year?
0: I'm going, I'm on the optimistic side, uh, Maybe one, but not many. I mean, inflation is out of control, but it's not for the reasons that would generally be controlled by you know higher interest rates. So, uh, one, maybe two
2: quarter po- quarter point at a time, or would they ever go? Do they have the balls to go to half a point? I, I, th- would,
0: I would. I would. Again, I'm wishful thinking too, but quarter point. At a yeah, time. yeah,
2: yeah. Do you, do you get a lot of the buzz being in Ottawa? What's what you know? Any inside scoop? You must rub shoulders with a couple of people <laughs> with a direct line to. Uh, that that that
0: means you assume they know what they're doing too. I didn't so say I didn't know, know. I just said I didn't say anyone knows what they're doing. Yeah. I just
2: said they, you get you get the insights. Oh, you hear you, you be, hear rumors
0: of things that that you know are, are being discussed or going on, but you know again the. Especially this government, but you know, discussion to action is is uh, is a gap right now. So,
1: okay. see, so you don't see Tiff Macklin out at the bar or anything.
0: He's a big supporter of the sustainability movement. He's he's actually been out at several different things and supports a number before he became, uh, you know, minister. He was he was quite active in the space. So, wow. yeah.
2: All right. The, the next question, we already alluded to it, but this is even better than mine. Would you like to see Melnick sell the Senators? Yes. <laughs> I don't even know why <laughs> we asked. Please, yeah. anybody, <laughs> buy it.
1: Yeah. What, what's the next big smart building technology? So I'm a big believer in uh, ultimate. You know,
0: we, we, we got a. Oh yeah, these are supposed to be quick. Okay, <laughs> it's okay. Prefab, prefab, and and CLT driven prefab, like prefab concrete, prefab
2: modular, sort of stacked. For low rise good. and high rise.
0: For low rise and high rise. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're seeing we're seeing a little bit of that here. You uh, get is
2: Airbnb one? good or bad for new development in the industry? For the new development industry, is that the question? Yeah. For the new development. Is industry. Airbnb good or bad?
0: You know, for the new development industry, I think it's good for the housing crisis. I think it's bad. So you know, obviously, you're an
2: Airbnb uh, user and you like it. <laughs> I have been, and uh, now I, I'm, I'm, I'm
0: not. But I, yeah, I, I, I think it's something that shouldn't be um, uh, pushed under, but but can can be managed in a way that uh,
1: yeah. maybe there's more of a focused approach to where and how it can be done. Um, do you allow assignments in your projects? And if you do, how much do you charge? We do, I think we're at about seven thousand dollars. It's just random, I just think of random things at night to put into our rapid fire. So, do we need a mortgage stress test? No, wow, oh, nice, nice. Okay, Can I why? okay we're getting asked Ask
0: down. why? Uh, I agree actually, just for the record. Well, I mean, again, it depends on your view of where interest rates are going. But for the last couple of years, I think it's created an artificial barrier for people.
1: Agreed. Which planning department is easier to deal with, Toronto or Ottawa? None of them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This is one I
2: just thought of during the conversation. You have a little bit of, I don't know if everyone's ever told you this, you have a little bit of John Tory and you you got the poise of a politician. Would you ever consider, maybe it's because of being from Ottawa, would you ever consider politics? Would you encourage your best friend to get into politics? <laughs> I was encouraging my dad to r- to run for prime minister. So, <laughs> okay, well, I guess you don't like him very much. No,
0: <laughs> no I, I mean, uh, I think uh, politics is increasingly, you know, so there's there's an attractiveness to it, but increasingly, it's getting hard to see how you could get into politics and actually know. make a positive impact.
2: It's it's very it's too bad. You know what? I look at like even if you just look at the, the the election in in the US and more recently here it's like there's 340 million people who live in that country and those are the, the two best yeah, options you got, that we you got and two 80-year-olds i know <laughs> who <laughs> one can barely talk and one shouldn't talk <laughs> <laughs> but like the two polarizingly opposite people and you got to assume there's got there's there's 100s of people and they're like 40s, 50s, 60s yeah. who are like it's so much extra. more talent than but yeah But we've ruined it anyway. Another long, di- long, discuss, long story. Yeah, yeah, okay, last me. last one. I, we're breaking our own rules. L- yes, exactly.
1: When you go to indus- industry events, uh, do you give dirty looks to the sprawl developers? No. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> well, that's a great way. Again, okay. It's last a question way. I already asked is
2: SENS or LEAFs or HABs?
0: Uh,
2: I I have to be the SENS, but uh, ideally with a new owner. Okay, fair enough. Well, that's a great place to end it. Listen, thank you so much for uh, joining us, taking the
1: time it's to nice do this, for having and me. And if someone wants to, to learn about, uh, learn about the Impact Fund or our Windmill Developments, uh, where do they go? Yeah, so they can go to Windmill Developments at
0: windmilldevelopments.com. dot uh, com. They can go to Epic Investments, it's epicinvestmentservices.com dot uh, com, where where the OPL Fund is profiled also, and uh, would love to. Uh, Share uh, any information about the fund with anyone that's interested.
1: Awesome! Yeah, that's great. So, social I, media I, I, handles, TikTok, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, Instagram. What do what, what you? You, uh, you
2: directly if they want to reach out to you, or yeah, someone they should call. Best to reach out to me or
0: Letitia Picard at uh, Epic Investments, okay. who's the CEO there, and uh, LinkedIn. Other things I, I actually. It's managed corporately, so I don't even
1: know what my handle is. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Well, well thanks uh, again for yeah. uh, for joining us, and uh, and we appreciate you having you on the show. We forgot to ask if you voted for the Green Party.
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> no. That, that, should, that should that should have been a rapid that should have been a rapid fire question. What were we thinking? <laughs> Jonathan, thanks. Thank you so much thank for you. your time. Thank thanks you for doing this. Great conversation. Great.